Postman Horrorhouse here with a tale for my friend Edgar Allan Poe. The tell-tale heart, true, nervous, very, very dreadful, nervous. I have been, and I am. But will, will you say that I am mad? Disease has sharpened my senses, but not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and earth. I heard many things in hell. How then am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthy, how calmly I tell you the whole story. It is important to see how first the idea entered my brain, but once conceived it haunted me by day and night. Object there was none, passion there was none. I loved the old man. He had never wronged me, he had never given me an insult. For his gold I had no desire. I think he, I think it was his eye. Yes, it was. He had the eye of a vulture, a pale blue eye, with a film over it. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold, and so my de- by degrees, very gradually, I made my mind to take the life of the old man, thus rid myself of the eye forever. Now this is the point you fancy me mad. My men know nothing. You should have seen me. You should have seen how wisely I proceeded, with that caution, and what foresight, and what dissimulation I went to work. I was never kinder to the old man than during the whole week before I killed him. The very night, every night about midnight, I turned the latch of his door and opened it, ah, so gently, and then, when I made an opening significant for my head, I put in a dark lantern, all closed, closed, and no lights shone out. I thrust in my head. Oh, you would have laughed to see how cunning I thrust it in. I moved it slowly, very slowly, so that I might not disturb the old man's sleep. It took me an hour to place my whole head within the openings. So far I could see him as I lay upon his bed, as he lay upon his bed. Ha! Would a man-man have been so wise as this? And then... When my head was well in the room, I undid the lantern curiously. Oh, so curiously, curiously, for the hinges creaked. I undid just so much that a single ray fell upon the vulture eye. And that, and this I did for seven night, long nights, each night, every night, just at midnight. But I found the eye always closed, so it was impossible to do the work. For it was not the old man who vexed me, but his evil eye. Every morning, when the day broke, I went boldly into the chamber and spoke courageously to him, calling him by name in a hearty tone, inquiring how he had passed the night. So you see, he would have been a very profound old man, indeed, so suspect, that every night, just at twelve, I looked upon, I looked in upon him while he slept. Upon the eighteenth day, upon the eighteenth night, I was more than usually cautious in opening the door. I watched his minute hand moving very quickly, then then did mine. Never before that night I felt the extent of my own powers. Of my own sanity, I would scarcely contain my feelings of comfort to think that I was opening the door, little by little, 
He did not even dream of my secret deeds or my or faults. I fairly chuckled at the idea. Perhaps he heard me, for he moved on his bed suddenly, as if startled. Now you may think that I draw back, but no. This his room was as black as pitch, while the thick darkness for the shutters were closed, fastened through fear of robbers. And so I know that he could not see the openings of the door. I kept pushing it on steadily, steadily. I put my head in, and about to open the lantern, when my thumb slipped upon the tin fastening, and the old man sprang in bed, crying out, Who's there? I quite still, and said nothing. For the whole hour I did not move a muscle, and in the meantime I did not hear him lie down. He was still sitting up at the bed, listening, just as I had done night after night, hearkening to the death watches in the wall. Presently I heard a slight moan. I knew it was a groan of mortal terror. It is not a groan of pain or grief. Oh, no. It was a long, stifled sound that arises from the bottom of the soul when overcharged with all. I knew the slur well. Many a night, just at midnight, when all the world slept, it welled up from my own bosom, deepening with its dreadful echo the terrors that distracted me. I saw, I knew as well, I knew that the old man felt and pitied him, and though I chuckled at the at heart, I knew he'd been lying awake ever since the first sight noise, when he heard, when he turned in his bed, his fears had been even ever since growing upon him. He'd been trying to fancy that them careless, causeless, but could not. He'd been saying to himself, it's nothing but the wind in the chimney. It's only a mouse crossing the floor. Or it's merely a cricket, which has made me, made a simple chirp. Yes. Yes, he had heard, been trying to comfort himself with all those suspicions, but he should had found in all in vain, all in vain, because death is approaching him that had stalked with his dark shadow before him and enveloped his victim. It was a mournful influence of the unperceived shadow that caused him to feel, although he never saw nor heard, to feel the presence of my head within the room. When I had waited a long time, very patiently, without hearing him lie down, I resolved to open a little, a very, very little crevice in the lantern. So he opened it. You cannot imagine how stealthily, stealthily, until, at length, a simple dim ray, like the thread of a spider, shot out of the crevice and fell upon the vulture eye. It was open, wide, wide open. I grew furious as I gazed upon it. I saw it with perfect distinctness. All a dull blue, with a hideous veil over that that chilled the very marrow in my bones. But I could not see nothing else of the old man's face or person, for I had directed it away as if by instinct proved it precisely upon the damned spot. I have not told you that what what you mistake for madness is overcuteness of the sense. Now, I say, there came to my ears a low, dull, quick sound, 
such as a watch make, makes when you envelop it in cotton. I saw, I knew the sound well, too. It was the beating of the old man's heart. It increased my fury. The beating of a drum simulates a soldier into courage. But yet, but even yet, I refrain and keep still. I scarcely breathed. I held the ranter motionless. I tried how steadily I could maintain the ray upon the eve. Meanwhile, the hellish tattoo of the heart increased. It grew quicker and quicker, louder and louder. Every instant, the old man's terror must have been extreme. It grew louder, I say, louder. Every moment. Do you mark me well? I have told you that I am nervous. So I am. And now at the dead hour of the night, amid the dreadful silence of the old house, so strange a noise as this excited me to uncomfortable terror. Yet for, yet for some minutes longer, I refrained and stood still. But the beating grew louder, louder. I thought the heart might burst, and now a new anxiety seized me. A sound would be heard by the neighbour. The old man's hour had come. And with a loud yell, I threw open the lantern and leaped into the room. He shrieked once, once only. In an instant, I dragged him to the floor and pulled the heavy bed over him. I then smiled gladly to find the deed was done so far done. But for but for many minutes the heart of me on beat on with a muffled sound. This, however, did not vex me. It would not be heard through the wall. At length it ceased. The old man was dead. I removed the bed and examined the corpse. Yes, he was stone stone dead. I placed my hand upon the heart and held it free there many minutes. There was no population. He was stone dead. His eve. Well, his eye would trouble me no more. If you still think me mad, you think so long. You think so no longer. When I described the wise precautions I took for the concealment of the body, the night waned. I walked hastily, but in silence. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head, and arms, and legs. I then took three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited all them in scaffoldings. I had removed the boards so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detained anything wrong. There was nothing to watch out, no stain of any kind, no blood spot, whatever. I had been too wary of that. A tub caught all. Oh, ha ha! When I made an end of these labours, it was four o'clock, still dark as the midnight. As the bell sounded the hour, there came a knocking on the street door. I went to open it with light heart, for what I had now to fear. There entered three men who introduced themselves with perfect sorry, officers of the police. A shriek had been heard by labour during the night. Suspicion of our bay had been aroused. Information had been logged to the police office police office, and they, the officers, had been deputed to search the premises. I smiled, for what I had to fear, had I to fear. I bade the gentleman welcome. The shriek, I said, was my own in a dream. The old man I mentioned was absent in the country. I took 
told my visitors all over the house I bade them search, search well. I led them at length to his chamber. I showed him his treasure secure, undisturbed in the, in the enthusiasm of my confidence. I brought the chairs into the room and desired them, desired them here to rest from their fatigue. I am myself in a wild ecstasy of my perfect triumph, placed my own seat upon the very spot beneath the repository of the corpse of the victim. The office of a satisfied, my manner had convinced them I was singly at ease. They sat, and while they answered cheerfully, they chattered at familiar lengths. But over long I felt myself getting pale when wished for them gone. My hide ate. I fancied a ringing in my ears, but still they sat and still chattered. The ringing became more succinct, it continued, became more distinct. I talked more freely to get rid of the feeling, but it continued and gained definiteness, fineness, until at length I heard the noise was not coming, not within my ears. No doubt how I now grow very pale, for I talked more frequently and with a heightened voice. Yet the sound increased. What would it what would I do? It was a low, dull, dull, low, dull, dull, quick sound, which, as a sound of much, makes when you develop in cotton. I rasped for breath, and yet the officers heard it not. I talked more quickly, more vehemently, but the noise steadily increased. I arose, I echoed about trifles. In a high note with violent caresses, but the snowy steadily increased. Why would they not be gone? I placed the floor to and fro with heavy strides. It is as excited to the fury by the observations of the man, but noise steadily increased. Oh God, what could I do? I foamed, I raved, I swore. I swung the chair upon which had been sitting and grated upon boards, but noise arose over and all. And continued, increased, it grew louder, louder, and louder, and still men chatted pleasantly and smiled. Was it possible they had not heard not, Almighty God? No, no, they heard, they suspect, they know. They were thinking, making a mockery of my horror, this, I thought, I was, and this, I think, but anything was better than this agony, anything was more tolerable than its derision. I could bear these hypocritical smiles no longer. I felt I must scream or die, and now again, hark louder, louder, louder. Villains I shrieked, assembled no more. I admit the deed. Tear out the flanks here. It is the beating of his hideous arts.